Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. That arcade was my church. I thought I was... Hey, everybody. Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. Rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated because here I am, living and walking among you. Uh, this is an interesting episode for a couple of reasons. I'm going to do some updates here, tell you what's going on. We're going to do an interview. You will hear an interview that I uh, recorded b- well before Christmas. And uh, I owe this person a bit of an apology because... Well, I slept up a little bit. Here's the situation. Uh, first of all, some news. Right now, my book, Inside Video Game Creation, is part of a storybundle.com game-themed bundle. So if uh, you readers out there are looking for game dev stuff, gaming-themed books to sort of keep you warm as the weather is crappy out there, you can go to storybundle.com with a super legit lineup of books and writers like i am the extreme low end of the uh, the the scale is zero me up to you know all the other writers so it was an honor to be part of this you can get books from uh, david l craddock who has been on the podcast friend of the show and a prolific games writer and now producer of the upcoming uh, FPS documentary. So I want to kind of get him back on soon. Maybe we can have him on to sort of promote the uh, book bundle, talk about the documentary coming up and more. Uh, A book from uh, Mike Drucker, who is a comedian and um, writer for Full Frontal with Samantha Bee, formerly Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, another very legit guy. All these writers are uh, just great, really great to connect with these these folks and uh, offer something that will support the women and games uh nonprofit organization so pay what you want get some great books send send some support to a good cause lots of good reasons to check that out so uh it'll be around for a couple of weeks jump on that quickly let's talk state of the pod for a minute the podcast is not dead people (laughs) people have gotten in touch asking like what's going on are you gonna do this anymore and to be fair i've tweeted some not vague but sort of middling uh, (laughs) comments on uh, what I wanted to do. So the situation is this. Last year, we got into sort of a state where, first of all, uh, Matt Hill jumped in and did a phenomenal job. He's still one of my closest buddies. We talk every day. We play games all the time. Like nothing's going on like that. He was awesome to jump in and help me do kind of what we did toward the end of the year which was we wanted to like line up sponsors, keep the sponsorships going, keep the shows coming weekly. A couple of problems sort of popped up when that started. Um, For one thing, sponsorships are hard to line up consistently. So it's hard to make sure you have sponsors ready to go for every week for every episode. Sometimes it is possible. And when you do, other problems pop up like, I got to a point where I didn't really feel like I could could turn down any guest. And uh, a lot of the PR folks I, I work with are great. They send over great people promoting cool projects. We have a lot of fun doing it. There's also a situation where as the podcast sort of gained momentum, it became known for things that like I didn't really intend it for. Like people came on to try to like raise their profile among other developers. That's I don't 
know why you would want to do that, but people wanted to come on and be like, I want to talk to the other developers about how cool I am. Like, that's not really what I want to do here. It's not what I'm trying to do for myself, and I'm certainly not trying to do it for you either. So, like, the thing where people would want to come... And I turned down most of this. I don't want this to reflect poorly on any guests we've had. This is That's not how I feel. But I turned down a lot of shows where it was like, I was turning down executives who basically wanted to pitch investors, people who wanted to pitch products. I constantly tell people, no, they can't come on and talk about NFTs, blockchain, what they're going to do in the metaverse. That's that stuff's fine if you, well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that statement. I don't think <laughs> some of the, like the NFT stuff is bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm always going to think that that's never going to change. Blockchain stuff is useless in games. I'm done talking about that shit. I'm going to, I'm going to think what I think. I'll die on that hill and I get to do that. This is mine. This, what I built here is mine. I'm willing to talk to people close to me about it. I'm willing to discuss it with the people I respect. I, I'm not obligated to host a debate. I'm not obligated to bring you on to change my mind. I don't feel like it. I don't care what's fair in that situation. I get to just do what I want with this. So I'm turning down blockchain stuff all the time because it's not useful except for raising funds. And I don't want to let people come on and use this show as a platform to pitch investors. Never going to happen. I don't, I don't really want to talk to executives who just left EA after 20 years and they're launching their own studio and that studio needs funding. I'm tired of that story. I'm sorry. I just, I, that's not what this is for. This is for the people doing the creative work. This is for the people in the trenches, indies, pros, happy to talk to you guys, to support you guys, but that's what I'm going to do. So the whole point is. I want this to be a selective experience again. I want to do this when I'm excited about it with people I'm excited about and not sit here and try to pretend that I'm excited about something else. I feel like that becomes super insincere. It's not interesting. We don't have fun. It's not good for me or the person or for the listener. So let me make sure I don't do any of those groups a disservice by putting out stuff I'm not happy with and stuff I'm not proud of. So if I have to be a little more selective, wait till projects are done, wait till I'm excited to talk to somebody about something, I hope you guys will understand that. And statistically, everybody is very understanding about that. The messages I've gotten have been great. They've been very supportive. You guys understand it, and I so appreciate that because it's it's going to be, I promise, it's much better for everybody if we can just do stuff we're excited about. I'm doing a number of other things. I'm uh, programming a game entirely in C right now for a, a game jam that's going until uh, Saturday, I think. The Raylib jam at uh, raylib.com. Uh, it's, a, it's a cool little library, all in C, and I'm challenging myself because C programming is hard. It's confusing. It takes a lot to learn and uh, involves a lot of problems that have kind of been uh, obscured a little bit or uh, solved in other situations, but trying to bring my A game and write some good C code. So that's something I'm doing. I've started doing kind of hangout streams in the kitchen while I make family dinners. My wife works overnight. It's a big help if I can make dinner for everybody. And I'm starting to order uh, meal kits. Well, my wife is ordering the meal kits and I'm, I'm cooking meals. I'm cooking meals and I'm Twitch streaming from the kitchen. Just last night, we had like over 300 people raid the uh, channel. We had the time of our lives. I had so much fun doing that last night. 
I'm out here just doing stuff I'm excited about that's fun for me. And so I hope everybody kind of understands that. If you want to check out what I'm doing on Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash mechatodzilla, 1D2Ls, just like my Twitter account. Uh, would love to have you on board for that. The Discord is still open. Codewrite Play is still open. Let's talk about this interview you're going to hear. This interview is with Philip Molodkiewicz. My apologies if I butcher that pronunciation. Uh, Phil is a executive producer on World of Warships, which has been around forever. Maybe you've checked it out, uh, but they're many years into development now. And so we got to have a talk about his job kind of trying to meet the demands of very knowledgeable and very seasoned players and trying to onboard brand new people to sort of keep the uh, the audience growing. So that was fascinating. We, we got to talk a little bit before Christmas we had an audio issue that was completely my fault. And so we lost a portion of the interview at the beginning. Again, that's entirely on me. I feel terrible about that. Uh, it's a very rare slip up. That has almost never happened. The other time it happened was to my friend Ray, who's been on the show several times where I lost an entire show. I don't remember what I did wrong, but we lost an entire show and recorded it a second time in the same night. That didn't happen to me and Phil, but we lost a uh, portion at the beginning where we basically checked in about who he is, what his role is, a little bit about the studio, which is uh, growing and taking care of multiple uh, platforms and multiple apps and stuff. Now, he has a tough job because, you, as you can imagine, a game about actual warships that have existed in real life has a lot of fans of history, you know, wartime uh, information. They know these ships. They know what they look like. And, you know, they, they, everything down to like the patterns on the camouflage and stuff. So we, we talked at the, at the front of the uh, interview about the unique challenges of having an audience that's growing. They're that informed. They hold you accountable. They have very particular tastes about what they like and don't like. He's, he's very open about how the studio has gone through things that were not popular with fans, things the fans loved, the players loved, challenges of onboarding new people, because right now it's in a state of just kind of like, if you, if you download it and play it on Xbox right now, you're sort of left to yourself to play against robots as you get comfortable with it at, at your pace. It's unique, it's fun, and I really enjoyed talking to Phil, and I feel terrible that, <laughs> that I lost a small portion at the beginning, and that it took me so long to get this edited and released. So, and that's nothing to do with Phil. It's not even the fact that we had the audio issue. It's just the scheduling got crazy. I wasn't able to catch up with um, all of my correspondence. I had other projects I wanted to do during the uh, holiday season. Made a game for my kid for Christmas. It's stuff we can talk about, but none of that is a good excuse. I should never let a guest go this long without hearing their episode. So my apologies to Phil. Phil's a nice guy. You should uh, support him. If you see him around the web, he's uh, interviewed at big, big websites every once in a while. Support that stuff. He's a cool guy. And uh, check out our chat. Thanks again, Phil. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to 
$1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. But rather to ask, okay, this is the this is the iteration we want you to try. Uh, we changed this, this, and that. How do you like it? What's what do you like? What's comfortable for you? What's not comfortable for you? Tell your impressions. And this this is something that's easier to work with because this allows us to iterate and change some things to adjust. And we kind of hope to to find the good uh, place for them this way. But a lot of players are very uh, much much they are much more. Uh, I don't know, definitive about this. So they have very strong opinion, like subs shouldn't be in the game or they should be in a separate game, period. And this is something which is much harder to work on. Uh, also, there is a, there is some gap. I would say the sub, submarines are really challenging task. And I don't, uh, even though some people like misquote, <laughs> sometimes us, we don't believe that uh, if there is a silent uh, majority who is happy about them and the local minority who is not. We actually believe that subs need more work uh, for everyone. Uh, it's not a question of, uh, I think, silent minority. But in some other cases, not subs, uh, there is also this difference between hardcore players who play a lot, uh, who play good, well, they, they know how to play the game, and they have some, let's say, interests, uh, and then there's a much bigger crowd play more casually, and uh, they have other like other approach to the game, another approach. And we as developers kind of obliged to take care of both of these groups because both of them are valuable to us. We don't want this game to exist only for very hardcore gamers, but we also don't this game to just appeal to like the most casual players and don't allow anything to show off your skills, things like this. It's also one of the challenging things because, uh, and th- and this is the case where sometimes I think the hardcore players they are more vocal, of course. Mm-hmm. And the challenge here is how to actually collect the feedback and understand the majority of players who don't communicate with us directly. Hence, we do different surveys and researches, try to understand these kind these kinds of uh, players better. I think I'm taking too much time on this question, but it's a big question. You know, yeah, so. sure. <laughs> As a community grows like this and, and exists over a long period of time, I mean, it's a good thing, of course, that you have 
uh, hardcore players who deeply understand the mechanics, deeply have deeply held opinions about the different things in the game. But I know you're also making a lot of efforts to bring in new players as smoothly as possible without making it overwhelming for them, right? I mean, uh, when I started the game recently, uh, it was very simple for me to get started. It's, I mean, how much effort do you f- spend on having a smooth transition for new players? I don't think we actually have, uh, yeah, you probably confirmed this because you played recently. We don't have like r- classical proper tutorial, like tutorial mission or something with firing range. We don't have uh, this. We did several attempts on this, and, but it didn't work for us. So our onboarding process is more about starting to play against AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, about having more and more opportunities, both in terms of metagame elements, like game modes, uh, upgrades, and things like this, uh, gradually. And also, when we design our ship lines, we try to, of course, design lower tiers to be simpler in terms of amount of opportunities you have. So, for example, we have different consumables in games. There are a lot of them, like Raider, uh, Hydroacoustic Surge, different reload boosters, things like this, Smokes. And most of these consumables start to appear later during your progression. Uh, so we try to not to overwhelm a new player with a lot of different uh, options in the game. And that's it, basically it. And we try to watch the churn of new players and see where players fall off and where are the problems and try to fix them. Uh, that's the way, like a general way we handle onboarding for new players. A lot of people say that, uh, especially experienced players, they they say that our game doesn't have good onboarding process, and they also often blame uh, basically us for the fact that a lot of players just play for fun. They don't care about winning even, <laughs> and of course, and of course, in a team-based game, when you're trying to win hard, and some of the team kind of lets lets you down, of course, it can lead to some frustrations. I think that. It's kind of shared responsibility uh, in terms of we should provide some tips, we should provide some smoother onboarding process, but also it's a choice. In the end, it's just a choice of each player whether he or she wants to learn hard, uh, really master the game, or they just want to play the game, have fun mm-hmm. on weekend. I think both ways to play the game, to be honest, are valid. You don't you don't have to be hardcore uh, ship fan to play our game. I felt like it was a, a steep curve, but there was a, a learning curve and it was just the right amount of kind of challenge for me. Actually, as far as I remember, we still have like protective, protective matchmaker for new players. So even if you go to PvP for the first time, for some first amount of battles, you uh, matchmaker matches you just with the new players, uh, mm-hmm. new as you are, with a similar game experience. It's like uh, some short period of protection, and then and then you are thrown into the into the ocean of uh, our regular audience with generally much more experience. But at first, you kind of have the small step to help you. I could tell the difference, but it still felt fair. Like I felt like okay, I've I've had plenty of rounds now at this point where I got to uh, start easy before they threw me to the wolves, and it was perfectly fine. I had I had a fun time with it, but uh, I'm kind of wondering. Those experienced players, are these players, do you find, who are just fans of online multiplayer games? Are they uh, history buffs, people who just like, you know, naval combat, that kind of stuff? I mean, where do these players come from? You mean hard, really hardcore ones? I think it diff- is different uh, because I, 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 met, I met people who 
I'm not specifically knowledgeable about ship history. I'm not either. I don't consider myself an expert, but of course I just learned a lot of things while being here naturally. And these players had similar level of knowledge as I, but they did huge amount of game knowledge and game experience. They were probably, I think such people, whatever game they play, they will dig to the depth of it and they will know how all mechanics works. They ask you specific questions. I think these people will know how any complex game works. Like if you, if they play, if online, they will tell you anything. Just just memorizing things, you know, what to do and how to proceed. Any any game like this, any complex game. But also there are some people who care a lot about history, about being truthful. And there were cases where these people... And such people, they, they often challenge us not in terms of gameplay choices, but in terms of just uh, historical consistency. So these are people who will say, hey... Uh, the camouflage on this ship seems to be wrong because I have like these two books and it shows me different different scheme on, uh, during these years of service and uh, your scheme is different. Let's like let's understand why I think you're wrong. And uh, sometimes this actually these players uh, turn out to be right for some reason because in 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 a lot of cases there can be several sources with actually several sources with different level of uh, reliability, or just when there is no solid evidence, there may be some really like vague places. I think the funniest example was uh, a lot of a lot of time ago, but it's, I still remember it. So there was a German cruiser named Emden, uh, and they during their service in World War One, as far as I remember, they uh, faked additional smoke funnel on their cruiser to resemble, I think, British ship. Mm. To deceive the enemy, so they faked another funnel, and we did this ship, uh, created it for as a present for New Year. It's a low tier ship, low tier eight, uh, tier two, and we did this uh, fake smoke funnel as well, just to 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 appeal to history buffs. Like, yeah, we know about this. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a guy from Russian community came to forum, uh, came to Russian forum, and started to prove that we placed strongly that it should be placed on the opposite side of the ship. Oh. And and I was managing the, yeah, it's something really obvious, right? And I was managing this conversation, so I was basically running to our art department, talking to them, seeing their proof, and then getting back with the answer to this guy. But just for the context, this guy wrote several books on shipbuilding, which is like books which are known as, at least in Russian, the military historian circle, and they're sold in shops, so like he's a real author. And uh, I showed him some pictures and some descriptions, but then he actually, eventually, in, in a couple of weeks, he came up with some uh, memoirs of some of the participants of this ship crew who uh, translated from German, where they kind of told that the smoke funnel wasn't the place he insisted on. And then we're like, okay, we'll, 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 we'll fix this. And then sometime we just place this funnel properly. So there are cases when these people actually know better because they, they are really fans of this. And they, as, as our shipbuilders, of course, I call them shipbuilders, they are as well. M- many of them like have a lot of scale models. Uh, they, they're really invested in this. It's not uh, like when you design uh, ships in the game, and you need to know history and know the ships. It's, it's not a job you take just usually just take for, you know, as a job. 
it should be your passion anyway, because it's a very specific job. You won't be able to do it properly if it's not your passion, I think. But still, there are some players who sometimes know better. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. It's an interesting point because... You have to have people who are able to be passionate about that level of uh, history and research because you do. It's it, you'll have players who are that invested just strictly as a passion, uh, and it sounds like in some cases a profession as well. But they're very passionate about it, so you have to be able to match that. And what a cool experience to have somebody that that invested in it and that knowledgeable willing to come in and say like i like this enough that i want to help you get this right like that's pretty cool you know yeah uh, and i mean are, is your team able to largely be uh in the good graces of the community because i mean that seems like a lot of effort you're going to to try to deliver messages from both sides both from the players to the developers and the other way around i mean th th has that kept you in their good graces mostly i think it's it's, it's very different because in terms of like history, historical consistency or visuals uh, or sound is much easier. Uh, but we're talking about multiplayer game, online game, and there's things like gameplay balance, and general yeah. ship balance. And these are the topics where, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's actually possible to in any game uh, to achieve the state where everybody will be happy about your balance in PvP. Like people care about, people play differently, they have different preferences. So, I mean, it it would be it would be sugar coating if I told you that we always include graces, but on the other hand, we try hard. Uh, we go extra mile to explain our decisions. We try to listen. We try to fix our mistakes when we, when they happen and acknowledge them. The fact that like a lot of players are with us since beta test, like a very significant, very influential chunk of our players are our game veterans who are with us for years. I think it says that 
who managed to do it somehow. Yeah. And I, you're right. That's kind of an unfair <laughs> question because, I mean, nobody is always popular with their entire community, but it says a lot that your players have stuck with you for so long. So I think that's also a very good sign. And uh, you guys spend a lot of effort on ongoing events and, and little uh, content updates, right? Yeah. I don't know if they're little or not because we we update our game when in normal times uh, if we don't if we exclude some I don't know, situations where we need some a hot fix we update our game monthly we publish monthly updates regular it will typically can deliver some new ships uh, some new events and some balancing changes and other changes so the game like steps forward each month and uh, this is a frequency actually came to after many experiments, because initially we updated the game, I think somewhere in like two months or two and a half, and it was too slow, because of of course uh, internally we work on several updates simultaneously, and each update uh, takes a lot of time because you need to spend some time designing, implementing, and integrating different development branches into one, uh, going through going through QA going to super test and public test and then deploy it. So uh, typically we work on several updates at the same time. So right now we have one update released, one, up, one update is on public test server, one update is uh, pre being prepared for super test, and one update is being like, designed, so it's simultaneous. And you, when you have this uh, two and a half months uh, schedule, basically if you need something considerable to be done, I'm not saying just some I don't know to tune some parameter because if we want to tune some I don't know reload time on some ship we can do it almost on the fly. But if we're talking about development, some features which require some checks, UI and programming, then it's very long period of time. It's very you're very slow to react on anything. Uh, then we switch to updating uh, each three weeks, and after doing this for a while, we realized that our quality actually suffers a lot. Uh, it's too tight. It's really hard for team, and the quality was degrading. And then we basically switched to four-week cycle, and this extra week was used mostly for quality, for quality assurance specifically. And this is something optimal that works for us currently. So we update on monthly basis. That's that's pretty good. I mean, that's relatively aggressive for a for a big online game like this. I mean, there's only so much speed you can bring to it without being uh without having too much risk i mean you, you know I, I don't have to tell you <laughs> yeah i mean it's of course the updates the updates they're not this large it's not like a new expansion for world of warcraft or destiny 2 which they publish like once per year or once per couple of years uh it's, it's of course these are smaller updates but they still gives give you the reason to be interested in the game again each, each month so it's, it's kind of middle ground between uh quantity like frequency, frequency and size of the updates. <laughs> I'm curious about your history individually. Uh, was this early in your career, or do you have kind of a history in the industry before coming to uh, wargaming? Wargaming was my first uh, job uh, in the industry, uh, and I joined it relatively soon after graduating. I did work for a couple of years uh, in other industries, but then. Uh, actually, actually, I managed to secure some kind of career path uh, in my previous job, but then I saw this opportunity, and I did not. Uh, I was not interested much in worship specifically at that time. The game was barely announced, 
Uh, it was like, as I said, it was closed, very close test, like friends and family or closed alpha. But I played uh, my share of World of Tanks back then. And I was interested in wargaming. I just followed the forums. Uh, and then I saw that they, actually there's a studio in St. Petersburg, World of Tanks uh, development uh, is in Belarus, Minsk. And I was not interested in locating there. But then I saw that actually there's a studio in my town, in my city. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I should, I should give it a go. So, yeah, I was, of course, uh, rejected first, but then I was insistent and I applied for another job there, uh, which was actually more suitable for my experience. And then I got accepted. That's really encouraging because I've I was just talking to somebody the other day about um, the question of like, should you should you apply to a studio a second time if you uh, were rejected the first? And I, I think, cause I've worked in other industries as well doing software. And I said, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think a studio would be happy to consider somebody who they didn't have space for previously. If um, you know, I mean, if, if nothing went wrong during an interview or something like that, but if they just have a, a new thing that might be a better fit, right. I mean, why not, why not go for it? I mean, it probably will heavily depend on each situation, on each HR, on each candidate. But yeah, I, I was just, I not just, I did not just apply uh, to second position. I applied to second position, was rejected. Like I passed the interview, several interviews, but then they told me, okay, we, you're good in this, this, and this, but we are looking for a candidate with more experience, relevant experience. And then, even though I, I was, I was pretty nervous about it because I really hoped to get uh, to this industry. At this point, I actually wanted this. And my friends were like, no, no, there is no, no don't, don't write that. There is no, just wait and apply to another position. <laughs> but actually I replied and said, well, yes, I don't have uh, all relevant experience, but here's the experience I have, I think in other industries, but it's relevant for you. And this is why. And also I was a World of Tanks clan player. And I told them that I'm, I'm, I'm not completely new to community. I know how to manage community kind of because I was managing World of Tanks clan uh, back then. I gave them examples of some of my, uh, like now, now it's, they, they don't, they don't look at achievements now, but they certainly were back then because I didn't have any relevant experience almost. And then they go, okay, okay, let's, let's give it a, I don't know, uh, if it works each time, but you know, I think if you, if you feel that you still can contribute and you have something to say, why not try it? Like worst case scenario, they will tell you, sorry, we like no, and that's it. But at least you will not blame you for not you will not blame yourself for not trying, right? Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, how long had uh, World of Tanks been out at this point? It, it came out earlier. Yes, it came out earlier, and uh, I'm not uh, actually active player for for years at this point, and I don't remember. But I yeah. think they uh, it's it's like scale of fifteen years or something. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not much into other wargaming products. I have my own to take care of. But I think it's scale of 15 years or something. So it's just huge. Yes. Yeah. What uh, what kind of games were you into? I mean, before all this, were you a gamer growing up? That kind of thing? Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm not sure that I'm as hardcore uh, old school gamer as many people. Because when I was really young, when I was a kid, I didn't have any kind of PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. I didn't have anything like this. But at some point when I was in my, I'm not sure how it's called in American, like the school, the school you go to after elementary school, like middle school. Middle it's school, yeah. Russian, yeah, mm-hmm. in Russian school, middle school as well. Uh, I think it was in middle school, early parents bought me my first PC, 
and I started to play. And then I, I think then I became kind of a hardcore game because I played a lot of different titles. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of uh, specifically. I think at first I enjoyed a lot of classical hardcore RPGs uh, like Fallout, Baldur's Gate, things like this. Uh, I also re- I was really much into Command and Conquer strategy series. Mm-hmm. From and Conquer, not 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 the not the very first ones, uh, but Red Alert Two, Tiberian Sun, things like this, and then Command and Conquer Generals, of course. Uh, I also played a lot of online shooters. I think my favorite series was Battlefield, but I think this love kind of ended uh, after Battlefield One. I don't know. I I I, I don't find this. Uh, maybe maybe the new one actually will get me back. I will I will see about that. Yeah, I think I played. Almost every genre. The only genre, uh, not genre I didn't play a lot, just a few battles, uh, are mobile games. This mm-hmm. is something uh, which, for some reason, does not resonate with me. So I didn't play any of it much. Just tried a few times, but didn't. Ki- it didn't catch me. Everything else: racing, some flying simulators, some space games. I I, I do like. I do love space a lot. So Elite Dangerous. I flew a lot of hours there. I don't know. I played a lot of things, and also I'm I'm really addicted, and it's something <laughs> I struggle with. If I find a good sandbox game, it will it will just suck suck me in, like Kerbal <laughs> Space Program, for example. Yeah, or something from from newer titles, Satisfactory, for example, it's factory building games. I love this. I I don't know. I, I I like to think that it's not just some unhealthy addiction, but rather a way to express my creativity to build something in game. <laughs> I'll call it that. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, we have a lot in common there because I really liked the Command and Conquer series also. I didn't really start until late, like Red Alert 2, that kind of thing. Uh, I liked Generals a lot because I, I re- something about that transition to 3D really grabbed me. And I was hoping yeah. they would do more with that. I liked that a lot. And uh, I wish I kind of wish they had done more attempts at a Command and Conquer game on mobile devices because that might have been a way for me to get more into mobile gaming. I'm not sure if they could have done it very well, you know? I just hope they will make, uh, they will produce a remake of Command and Conquer Generals at some point. And the only thing I need from this remake is for it to support my screen resolution. Yeah. Because the game is perfect as is, I don't need anything else. <laughs> just give me its proper screen resolution. I will play it. Same goes for actually Dawn of War or Hammer. I love this one too. Yeah. Yeah, those are very cool games. Um, speaking of sort of the rest of the industry, Wargaming is pretty popular with their uh, with their demos. I, I've read a lot of articles about journalists who 
say, oh, they invited me out here to check out these new features, this and that. Uh, you guys are very popular with the industry when it comes to showing off the game. I mean, uh, has that big, been a big emphasis for you? Uh, usually I don't have any time uh, to drive this direction. So I mostly, our PR guys uh, mostly use me just when they uh, need a, a matter expert to talk to someone. Uh, and I don't know if, uh, like what kind of, uh, if it's, if it's really different from the industry higher than the average level lower, I don't know, honestly, but I can honestly say that it, I do miss our offline precedents before COVID. Uh, I really miss this because I don't know. It's cool. It's cool to talk to press. It's also for, it's funny. Maybe it's not the aspect you think about immediately, but, uh, a lot of press, they come, unprepared like they don't play your game usually mm-hmm. and it's really interesting to see how new players interact with your product just on yeah. spot it actually gives you uh, sometimes it gives you a lot of ideas where, where the game is lacking in terms of like uh, giving tips to player helping help because you see it just on the spot immediately even though we have special research facility for this for testing for testing our game on people yeah. no matter how evil, evil it sounds <laughs> no. And that's where you come in translating that back to the development department is, you know, telling them how those uh, unseasoned players kind of found the game. I mean, that's that's right where you come in. I'm sorry. my Sorry. My son just ran in. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, what do you guys see yourselves? I mean, are there any goals you've you've kind of talked about wanting to move towards with the game? I mean, how far can you really push the design of this game or do you just try to perfect what you have? No, we do want to push it. As as I said, uh, it's it's a challenge because, like I I, I already talked about, this, uh, give an example of submarines because submarines are a way we don't know if it's successful or not yet because they're not finished and we don't know that. But it's the uh, main purpose of submarines is not to like directly monetize the game or do something else. It's to, it's to evolve the game to make sure that even in several years. And things like this, they, they are supposed to keep the game interesting for, for years to come. That's the main, that's the main uh, strategy. Because uh, what, what is really important about monetization, uh, for example, as a business, it's not like in mobile products uh, where you should actually receive your revenue in the very first hours or days, normally from players. Uh, our game really successful as a business because of long-term relations with players, and uh, because of a lot of people, and in terms of their uh, like their paying activity, they're really valuable. They're with us for a very, very long time. And the challenge here is that as long, like, of course, sometimes these people will take this position. So I like it as it is, or I like I like how it used to be before. Mm-hmm. It's good. Don't change anything. It's not that simple, of course. Uh, I'm not saying players are like this, but uh, I, I come across it often. Or don't change it this way. But the problem is that uh, we, like during all these years, kind of related the experience, and we realized that if you really follow the strategy of don't change because current state is okay, uh, it will actually lead to stagnation and in the long run it will lead to death, basically, of the game, the decline. Mm-hmm. So it's not. It doesn't mean that every change we do is uh, always successful. Decisions. Of course, we make mistakes. Of course, uh, sometimes we take wrong direction. But uh, we will keep trying. And you, like, if you look at track record of the game, it looks like still the majority of decisions were 
great calls. So the game is evolving. Uh, it retains players really well. It manages to have good audience number just despite of the age of six years. Like it's it's not it's not a small age, you know. A lot of online games last for much, 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 much uh, less time. So yes, our strategy is to evolve still. And I'm not sure that we will hit the stage where we will uh, adopt a strategy of just polishing what we have and letting it die. Uh, I don't think it will happen soon enough because this game is a flagship game for our studio still. Mm-hmm. And in terms of studio, we certainly want to explore some new opportunities, I think. Because I, I would say that in terms of size, before World of Warships, like war gaming was not just for World of Tanks and some related products. It was the biggest, uh, the most successful title. I think World of Warships managed, uh, maybe it was not a pro- maybe it was not an issue of public perception at all. People didn't think about it. But for us, it was really important at this time to prove that war gaming can make not just one successful game. We can make two and then three and we can grow like and evolve. So World of Warships was a very important step. And uh, I, I really hope that we will take more steps further on, even though it's actually, <laughs> it's not easy currently. And the market is uh, growing. It's very competitive. It's really hard to find people, to hire people uh, to support this growth, actually. And it's not, it's not, an, it's not a career advertisement or something. I'm just saying that uh, these are problems I encounter. For example, in my team, we actually ended up opening, even though in St. Petersburg, Russia, it's not like California, you know, we are one of the very few uh, good uh, PC game dev studios in the city. It's the second city in Russia. And size and still there are very, very few studios and none of the studios are of our size and importance in the industry in uh, local. But even uh, us, even for us, it's difficult to find candidates, even for junior positions sometimes. So, for example, in, my, in one of my teams, we open trainee program uh, because uh, for us, currently, it's easier to to give uh, this paid uh, trainee period to a person to teach him and uh, or her. And then if they're successful, then to hire them a proper position, then to find the specialist right away. So it's, it's a challenge to grow, but we try. Well, uh, tell them I said they need to put you in charge of a, uh, a real-time strategy game like Command & Conquer. That could be the uh, ne- the next one, right? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but I, I, I wish I wish strategy, I wish RTS genre was more popular generally than it's now. I think now it's it went to something really niche or something really super comp- ultra competitive, like yeah. StarCraft. I miss I miss the time where we had order, but I think from the new from from, from relatively new titles, I enjoyed uh, War Game Red Dragon and War Game European Conflict Series. They're pretty good. Yeah, I, I think they also kind of distilled it down and simplified it for uh, almost the the MOBA genre, the you know League of Legends and that kind of thing. You know that I think that took a lot of those players. I don't know. I wish it'd come back a little Maybe. bit. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with this. But uh, yeah, so as we kind of wrap up, let people know where they can uh, check out Wargaming online, uh, socials, uh, websites, anything you want. Well, uh, yeah, guys, if you're interested in this game from our conversation, just Google World of Worships or go to worldofworships.com, worldofworships.u, whatever works for you, worldofworships.asia. You will not miss it, I think. There are a lot of landing pages. And check it out because it doesn't cost you anything but your internet traffic to download the game. Try it. And then, if you, if you like it, we'll be happy to have you on board. If not, well, 
you can always uninstall and tell us what you don't like. So we watch this too. Uh, yeah. Very nice. Well, uh, Phil, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we can have you back sometime. Likewise. Thank you for having me and good luck. See you. All right. Thank you. And sorry again, one more time to Phil Malodkoyets. This was uh, a a fun chat. I enjoyed talking to him. It was a nice time during the uh, holiday season and check out World of Warships. They're doing really interesting things. Graphically, it's very impressive. Now, I I had a lot of fun checking it out. So uh, take a look at that. Storybundle.com. Again, if you want to check out the Snowed In Books Bundle that includes my book, Inside Video Game Creation, you can uh, support some indie authors. You can support a great nonprofit that's working toward representation in games, which is great. Uh, CodeWritePlay.com for show notes and more. And if you want to hang out on our little Twitch kitchen hangout streams almost nightly, you can uh, look at twitch.tv slash mechatodzilla. I'm on Twitter at mechatodzilla also. And uh, thank you all, who, those of you who stay on this ride with me, who keep checking out new episodes, who overlook... The many things I get wrong. We're at a point where it's hard for indie podcasters. That's a weird thing because we all used to be indie podcasters. It's getting tough out here. So uh, the fact that you guys have kept the momentum behind this that allows me to do anything at this point. Thank you so much. Keep this in your podcatcher and there will be more as soon as we're ready to put some out. Thank you. Get in touch. Have a good one. <laughs>